Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah? He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tonnes of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to A Quirky Journey. This is your host, Joe Witten, <laughs> and with me is the most amazing man on the planet, Fuad Kassab. <laughs> you know I'm recording. This is just the start of the podcast now. Oh, my God. We've started it? I think, oh, I think that's a good start. Thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> You can start again if you want. No, that's all right. But I'm glad I wasn't talking about, you know, any anything embarrassing. <laughs> I wouldn't have started again, wouldn't I? Yeah, you would have had to. How's it going? You're feeling good? I'm feeling good. Yes. I had a bit of a cold over the weekend and I was not uh, feeling good. But uh, I'm you, good now. You were so miserable and annoying and Oh, yeah, what? I'm so sick. And can you get me some tea? And can you get me some broth? And I'm like, oh, I live in Sydney, Joe. I'm 3,000 kilometers away. No, I can't. Away. Go away. Yeah. I didn't I'm glad you have people that. looking after you, though. So that was nice. Yeah, most of the time. I must say, most of the time. I, I was pretty, it was pretty quiet here on the weekend because the kids mostly disappear, but that's all right. Yeah. It was nice to have quiet as well. Yeah. 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 Sometimes when you're sick, you just don't want the whole, any of the world to oh, be there. You just want to be sick. That's right. Although sometimes you do want your mum to come and check on you. <laughs> <sighs> Unless you're sick of your mum. Well, that's true. You, that's true. Yeah. My mum's yeah. pretty nice, though. She comes and checks on me. My sister came and checked yeah. on me, too. Oh, yeah. dude. And, and You've she got brought, a blessed life. 
And she I, brought friends into the room. I'm like, oh, no, don't bring people in here. <laughs> your hair was all messed up. You haven't showered for three days. Hey, I did shower. Eyes are dark circles. My eyes huh? were, were red-rimmed and runny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're like, but we want to uh, check yeah, on you. I'm like, hi. Now let me hide under my covers, please. <laughs> Joe, I'm glad you're not one of those uh, wellness people who says, "Oh, I never get sick." I'm, I'm, yes, that's I'm, right. That's yeah. what I meant to say. No, I didn't. <laughs> what do you mean? I was going to say that's uh, what I was uh, going to say. I was going to say, "Oh, I uh, never get sick." No, I don't really. Oh, I never get sick. I don't yeah. say that. I mean, yeah. Oh, this is getting confusing. Yes. You know right. what? Sickness is a part of life, but I think when you're working on, like, I'm so much more well than I used to be and now if I get a cold it's gone pretty quickly and I don't get them very often so no. like there's been a lot of if people if sickness wasn't with... normal then the body wouldn't have the ability to heal that's right that's my theory makes sense like, right yeah yeah and sometimes it's your body telling you to slow down and have a rest and who knows maybe yeah. it was well it did coincide with Dave mm-hmm. leaving for three weeks, yeah. and then you're like, "Oh, with the relief," <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> and you're complaining to me about how like Dave is annoying you. Oh, I was and, not. You big fibber. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trying to get I me in wanted, trouble. I was hoping Dave would, would listen to this. I'll tell him to. I'll make sure yeah. he does, <laughs> and then he can lecture you. <laughs> Have we actually used the word Dave before? Or was it Mr. Witten? Huh? Like, or, uh, I no. think we've said Dave. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's my right. husband, that's by the way, say everybody. Paul yeah, Ward likes to tease yeah, him, yeah. so. Yeah. Helen Marshall's calling me on the other line, but I'll send her to voicemail and we'll keep recording. Okay. Hi, Helen. Yeah. Well, I just sent her to voicemail. I know, but for the sake yeah. of the podcast, you know, she, she'll probably is... listen to this and then she'll say, oh, wow, I got a mention. A <laughs> mention, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did Helen you... Marshall from Primal Alternative, the, one of the best uh, <laughs> companies out there making delicious Paleo breads and awesome and we love pizza her. bases. Love her. She's the best. She is. Love her. And we had a message on um, Facebook today. Did you see that? I sent it to you um, from Shelley about the stoop. And she was in Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. And she said, oh, my goodness, I just heard you mentioning me on the podcast and I had to message uh, and say thank you. She, she, she sent yeah, a photo yeah. of her view with the beautiful Swiss Alps. And I'm like, oh, are you on holiday? She's like, yeah. So that's, that's kind of cool. Guys, send us yeah. photos of where you are when you're listening. We like, to, we like that in the yeah. chat group. <laughs> if they're nice photos, of, oh, that's if true. you're in nice places, I don't want to see Not from you the like bathroom or something. scary. No. <laughs> with your no. stoop. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't going to say bathroom, but that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, okay. there's my dog. Oh, is that Peppy? Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting it's in the sunshine. It's uh, a strange podcast this morning. This is a very um, strange podcast. Sometimes we are a little odd, if you haven't noticed. We usually prepare. We say we're going to be talking about this topic and that topic. What, hold on. First of all, I'll get this out of the way. Okay. Guys, we are in Byron Bay on the 6th <gasps> of July. Yes. Um <laughs> Please come and see us. There's only like two people coming. And if oh, you guys don't and come, we're going to cry. So please yeah. come. It'll, please, please, Hang please out do with it. Us. Don't, don't be like that. Just come and join <laughs> us. I think there's more than two, but yeah. We'd still love yeah. to see you, even if there's only yeah. two. I mean, even if there is. I think there's 75 lot. or so, okay. so far. That's not bad. Yeah. Not too bad. But, you know, the more the merrier. We'll have know, a big party. If no one comes, we'll just go hang out on the beach or something. 
Well, it is Byron Bay. So right. I was up there in February. When was it? Oh, it was yeah, so February. Nice. Yeah. Mm. It's going to be a little Not colder that. this time. It is. Yeah. But but it's I've never seen it in winter. So I had a, experience. Oh, I have, and I was freezing. I had a big chat to Elise t- this morning. She lives in Byron Bay, and she was Elise saying, who, can, who's "Okay, Elise is our gaps practitioner." And she, yeah, and we'll be at her retreat in Byron Bay and then, um, they're all coming to the seminar. And, um, I said, what's the weather like? And she said, oh, it's amazing. Such beautiful, clear blue skies. And it is a bit windy and cold today, but beautiful. And I said, cool. That's good. Looking forward to it. She said, you go down to the beach and you see the whales. Hmm? How long is her retreat? How many days? Oh, I think, I can't remember. Is it three, five? Can you get rid of Peppy? Sorry, I will. I'll shut the door. Yeah. There we go. Now now you won't hear the birds, though. Yeah, but Peppy's kept going. Sorry about that. It's okay. It's all right. Peppy's gone to bark mm. at the neighbors or something. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, so that's, that's our... Next seminar, we haven't got um, – we've got some more tentative ones, but we won't mention them until we're sure of dates. But, mm. yeah, we're planning also, for the rest of the year. We're planning on expanding our online shop with some yes. products. So, you know, things like um, – I'm thinking I want to get uh, some dehydrators, some uh, – Yeah. The, I'm eyeing out this bone broth concentrate that looks really good. I'm pretty um, excited about the sauerkraut crocs and the kombucha crocs. Sauerkraut crocs, yeah. yeah. Um, they, these ones look really good as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting them into the shop just so I can get wholesale price on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> thinking, oh, I'm glad I didn't buy one of those yet. <laughs> yeah, well, but they they are really beautiful. And, what do they look uh, like? As, uh, I'll send you I'll send you some photos when we get home. Okay. I don't know the brand name. I forgot the Durand. I think. Ah, oh, yes, I think I've Durand. seen them. Mm, awesome. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, really nice looking Crocs, and um, I'm just googling and uh, the the kombucha um, Durand Croc at the moment. Yeah, it looks like you know those water filters, like the uh, ceramic yeah, yeah, water yeah. filters. It kind of looks like that. Okay. And it's got it's got a spout. What do you call that spout at the end? Mm, a spout. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, with with a spout, but with that button that you press, I think it has a different. I don't oh. know, but maybe it is a spout. I'm getting messages now too from Cindy O'Meara. That's nice. I'll just what give does her Cindy a mention. Want? She said I can stay with her in Cairns tomorrow in the hotel. Woohoo! Ah, uh, Joe. We're having Come a girls' on, day tomorrow. Yeah. Can't wait. I thought you and Cindy were over. You're no longer like seeing <laughs> no. each other. No, yeah. still seeing each other. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're Cindy. so weird. I am weird. Thank you so much. Took you a little bit of time to realize that you're not the only quirky in quirky cooking. No, that's right. That's right. You know what's interesting, Joe? I'm finding it interesting now that people, when people send emails to our help desk, they used to send, hi, Joe, and now they write, hi, Joe, and for what? Yay. They're getting used to you. They're getting used to me. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing for the world, for the world to get used to me. No, that's true. They need to be very wary. Mm, (laughs) Sorry, you were talking about the um, The shops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying, guys, 
if you uh, have any ideas for products that you love uh, that you want to stock and uh, want us to stock so you can support us yeah. by purchasing these things that you always buy anyway, we'd love to know. Yeah. So we can stock them and sell them to you. And then in that way, you get the product that you're always getting and you support us at the same time. Yeah. Just let us know. Send us an email to help at quirkycooking.com.au and we would really appreciate it. And of course, we often give out discounts to the podcast listeners. So yes. you might even save some money on this, which Woo-hoo. is great. And that way, I, you know, Joe and I don't have to... Uh, worry about um this podcast being cancelled do you hear me <laughs> we need to support this this podcast please support the podcast yeah. um so well. yeah we are we are mostly stocking the shop with things that we want to buy but if you've got some ideas we will listen <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know we're, we're all like-minded people here yeah, and if you've right. heard or know of a product that um we don't know about I, yeah love we'd love to, to know send us an email yeah. you said the email didn't you yeah, help at quirkycooking.com. And, and it's pronounced help at, at quirkycooking.com. Quirky yeah. <laughs> we're, so, we're so on today, aren't we? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> this I is guess what happens we don't when really we have do anything like... else to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, this is what happens when we do a late afternoon podcast where yeah, we're over the serious part of the day and we're on to the Mm. relaxed and it's right. almost friday it's what almost friday wednesday? i mean it's wednesday it's, it's only two days away yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh you're so funny uh, <laughs> hey joe hey uh i'm kitchenless at the moment i know how are you coping you better tell everyone what's going on well i'll, I'll share guys you know have you guys seen joe's falcon oven have you it's seen that one Joe has a falcon oven and she infected me with the love for falcon ovens. <laughs> so when I moved to my new place, I got a, a, a falcon oven. Joe has the 110 uh, yeah. mil. I, I got I got the, uh, no, not 110 mil. Yeah, 110 centimeters. centimeters. Uh, yeah, I've got the 90 centimeter one. Mine's the which classic is a smaller version. something or other. What's yours called? Do you know? Yeah, I think mine is the classic. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's the like we got the 90 matching colors, Fufu. Well, Lainey really wanted that one. So and I said, hey, man, we can go with deep red. We can go with black. We can I know. Go with, like, I think there's a... And she's like, no, I really like that. Well, I really... Like, at first, I was going to get the red. And I was just like, oh, that is so beautiful. But then I was like, oh, but what if I... What if everything doesn't match it? And what if... So I just went the safe way and got the cream. But I do love it. It looks so old-fashioned. Yeah, well, old-fashioned, but also really stylish like, yeah. in a, like in a like really useful it's yes. such a useful oven oh my god i can't wait uh, i'm just at the moment i'm cooking on my wok burner outside and right. my thermomix in the so, cold yeah and the thermomix has just been doing overtime at the moment um so i'm looking forward to be able to give it a break and yeah. so i can use the gas stove as well both yeah. of them uh, so man so how many burners has it got on top? 75. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think six. I don't know. Is it, is it six? Yeah, I think it's the same as yours, but okay. without the side. Oh, yes, side without burner. that many... side um, yeah. teppanyaki plate. That's awesome. Yeah. I just love having five. Maybe five. Five, yeah. I just love having yeah. five burners. Makes five such burners. a difference when you're doing gaps, too. 
Yeah, you get everything going. Yeah, you've got pots all over the stove, slow cooking, and you can turn the gas right, right, right down and um, walk away and not worry about it because it turns itself off if the fire goes out. So if somehow the gas, like if something bubbles over and the, and it puts out the flame, it'll turn oh, it off. So the gas automatically yes. switches off, which is awesome. Yeah. That's, that is really good because yeah. that, it's, a, it's a stress for sure. It's yeah. a stress to think about gas killing you. And <laughs> you know what? It's, it's got that, but it's got a really great oven with a tray that sort of, as you open the oven yeah. door, the, the tray slides out. Perfect. Then on the other side, there's another oven with like seven room for seven small trays wow. so and each of them has its own temperature control and then there's the grill above all that as well so cool and yeah it's fantastic i can't just, that's i can't wait to see how how much difference you find between the old oven and the new oh, like i can't so wait because that old oven was just like oh i couldn't trust it and yeah. like it just never got the heat was never circulating in the right way for me to get the kind of color that I want. Off yeah, of. that's what I found frustrating in my old one. I would get burnt on the bottom and, and not cooked enough on top, and it drove me crazy. Yeah, so and this, another thing hmm? is pans season better on gas. They do. They, they do. season better Definitely. on gas. And the, the electric cooktop does season them, but on gas, they're just nicer it'll be so much better with the cooking on, with the solid techniques pens too yeah. the even heat oh can't wait Yay. i want to go now and and just put everything <laughs> in so, the cool thing today is that we got the oven out of the garage now it's in the in the house so Yay. that's already one in. step closer in the house it's one step closer all the cabinets tony's, are pulled out yeah and tony is installing the cabinets he's installed two cabinets already okay the reason why we're doing this is because we had a 60-centimeter cooktop. Now it's becoming 90. So then if we were going to – there's no room for the range hood, mm-hmm. which is also an awesome piece of equipment, that range hood. Oh, isn't it? And, yeah. Yeah, so beautiful. And then there's the um, – underneath that is the, the oven. So we had to rejig everything. And I've been waiting for six months for Uncle Tony to come up from uh, <laughs> Bodala to come and see me. Because I called up all the kitchen companies here and no one wanted to do a just like a facelift for the kitchen. You should have said, don't you and know like, who I am? I'm Fuad from Quirky Cooking. That well, at that, that point, I'm like, I didn't even know who I was. I just bought a house <laughs> and I was like panicking about having this minus, you know. Don't worry, guys. We don't, yeah. we don't usually pull that card. <laughs> no. I don't like think that. it's a card. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like I wanna be anonymous. Yeah, it's because, much... like I can't have fun anymore. I can't go that's out. That's right, you've got to behave I yourself. Can't do anything. That's no, right. That's right. I was like, oh my god, he's like that health guy. Like, I have oh, this boring white uh, look boring looking white car that nobody yeah. thinks is interesting and nobody can recognize me now. My friends don't recognize me now when I drive past and wave and I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> That's better. That's why I keep changing facial hair features. <laughs> so that's there's a beard, there's a mustache, there's a goatee, there's no hair, there's head, hair on the head. Actually, there's never hair on the head. No, there's not. But yeah, man. So I'll I'll, say, I'll put pictures on Instagram. Go follow me on iFood blog on Instagram. You see photos of me there with uh, the the the, the Falcon oven. It's great, and also. Uh, if you're interested in getting a new oven, check out Falcon Australia. Mm. Really great, really great ovens. Yes. Cannot wait to see it and cook from it. Joe, I feel it's going to re-energize my cooking I think well. so. You'll be like cooking like crazy. We better start a cookbook oh. with lots of baking in it so that you can 
you can yeah. like get going on it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's another thing. We want to write a new cookbook, guys, we do. and we don't we don't know what you guys want. So we would love to hear from you. Yes, what it is that you want the new cookbook to be about. Yeah, maybe know. what we'll do is we will set up a survey, Jojo. Yeah, that's a good yeah? idea. And then have people go type in any, what they want in the cookbook. Yeah. And uh, then we will know. We'll, we'll yeah, know. it's a good but idea. My, my theory is everyone's going to say, hey, I want like uh, healthy food, like, you know, healthy snacks yes. or something like that. But what they really want is healthy desserts, but they're not too shy to say that they want healthy <laughs> So you never get an honest answer. <laughs> Just be honest with us, guys. It can be an anonymous survey. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to know who you are. Just, yeah. So that's that. And um, where were we? Yes, we already we have a podcast right now after this chat. Yes, we do. Amazingly. With, yeah, with Dr. Ron Ehrlich. Yes. Awesome guy. We met him at the Mind Foundation. He's a holistic dentist. Mind, mind form. form. Sorry. Mm-hmm. A holistic dentist. And uh, he he's written a book called A Life Less Stressed. Right? Yep. That's the name of the book. That's the book. And um, he gave me a copy when I was there. Did he, gave, he yeah. give you a copy? Too? Yes. Yeah. And it was such a good book. It was mm, really, yeah, really, it's good. really good. He, very practical. Um, quite often people will focus on just one aspect of health, like nutrition, say, or movement or whatever it is. He talks about all sorts of stuff, including dental stress, and he gets into these topics in a way that is understandable. And I find it's really suitable, this book, for a beginner who's mm. like, if you want someone to start understanding about health, you can give them this book, but it will also give you a lot of information, even if you already are well on your way on the health journey, you'll understand quite a mm. bit more. And it's a really great interview with Dr. Ron. Yeah, um, it's a good one. Loved it. He practices out of Sydney. The details for his practice are in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can go, if you want to see him, you can go see him uh, there. He's a really cool guy. He knows yeah. what he's doing, knows what he's talking about. And he's not only like holistic, you know, as a dentist, he's got holistic health covered and all these things. Yeah. And it really, really shows in the book as well. And if you meet him in person, you, you'll know. Really, really cool dude. Yeah. We had... Um a podcast that Isaac and I did with him on his channel as well. So he has a podcast channel um, and he interviewed us before the mind forum. Mm. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, I haven't listened to a lot of his podcasts, but yeah, they're go and have a look because he does have some really, um, because he's a holistic dentist, like what I was saying, it's um, so much more than dental. Like he goes into sleep patterns and he talks about the way you breathe and, the stress on your body and all sorts of things. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, uh, Joe. I should mention I one more thing, yeah. can I? Um, yeah. I have, for those of you who live up here in Far North Queensland, um, I just wanted to mention, if you haven't heard of it, there's a, um, on the 6th of July, there's a zero waste masterclass in Cairns that the Source Bulk Foods store is sponsoring. And I just wanted to give them a shout out because they're um, doing some great things there in Cairns and they're really trying to get the word out um, to help people cut down on waste and cut down on the plastic. And um, so this is something that the source is holding and it's with um, Gippsland Unwrapped, Tammy Logan. So she's coming up for it. And it's at the Cairns State High School at 6 p.m. on the 7th of July. Did I say 6th? Sorry, 7th. 7th of July. 
But if you go to the Source Bulk Foods... We're in Byron Bay on the 6th of July. We are. That's probably why I'm yes. getting mixed up. Yeah. Um, but 7th of July in Cairns, there's this um, event on, a masterclass. So if you want to learn how to make some changes to easily and simply um, cut down on waste in your family and um, learn more about that, come along. It's Well, I won't be there, sorry, because I'll be down in Byron Bay, but go along. <laughs> so the event is up on the Source Bulk Foods Cairns page. And if you're interested in someone redecorating your kitchen, I highly <laughs> recommend Uncle Tony. Give Uncle Tony a call. Yay, Tony. We call him Uncle Tony because um, he is, um, I think, what is he now? 50, 58 or something. Is he? But he's like, the young, he's the youngest dude It does in not the world. look 58. Oh, my it goodness. It is incredible. That is, is very incredible. No, I'm just joking. He's oh. probably 48. Oh, you're um, a rat bag. No, no, I, I was think thinking... no, he's 48. Yeah, 50, yeah. He's, 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 he's in this... Uh, coming <laughs> he's going to kill 60. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, he's, yeah, incredibly healthy. Incredibly, incredibly yeah. healthy. And um, we, um, I've been friends with him for a few years now. And the guy is just so much fun. Uh-huh. And he's such a good kitchen modeler. Well, like, send I'm, him I'm up to me. I need some here. help. Like, I'm actually paying for his <laughs> services, and I'm telling you, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if you need work, send me an email to help at quirkycooking.com.au. <laughs> they won't forget that email address now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll put you in touch with Uncle Tony. He's, awesome. he's the best. He flies over. He's going to fly up to Farnham's Queensland and do Joe's kitchen. Is he really? Well, he does want to. He's like, yeah, sure. I, I, I think <laughs> for him, awesome. it's, it's more about you know, the, getting the time to do this. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> he he wants to do a um, a an American style barbecue. That's really his passion at the moment. That's what's occupying his mind. Is ah. he wants to make a you know like a, a pit smoker, Beautiful. and he wants to like do a little pop up with a pit smoker oh, down in Bordello. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we've been talking about smoked meats for the past couple of days. I bet. Just, mm, yeah. Yum. And um, now I'm hungry. I love this guy. Have I said I love him? Yeah, have I you told have. You this? Yeah. <laughs> These guys FaceTimed me this morning and showed me the kitchen and had a chat, and it was it was a good laugh. I was not prepared for FaceTime, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't done yeah. my hair or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, it was good fun. So, hold on, hold on, sorry. What? What? So, I missed that last sentence. I said it was good fun. No, no, before that. Sorry, it cut out and I didn't hear the Oh, last. I just said these guys FaceTimed me this morning and showed me the kitchen and I got to meet Tony and it was good fun. <laughs> You're right. Ah, yeah. okay, there you go. Yeah. So, he, he, he's a cool guy. Yeah, and he is. I love him. All right, guys, on to the show. On to the Thank show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope that you made it this far because <laughs> it is a really useful show and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Ron. It's so good to have you on the show. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Fawad. How's it going, Ron? It's going extremely well. You know, it's uh, life is good. I, I'm, <laughs> you know, lots of exciting things happening and uh, enjoying my time in my surgery. I'm in there a couple of days a week and then um, doing my own podcast and, of course, all the stuff around the book. So, uh, and, and the family, surrounded by family. So oh, it doesn't good. get much better than that. I, no. I, I'm a lucky man. You sound a bit like us. We've just got the <laughs> so many different things to focus on each day, but it's such a 
great life, isn't it? It is, it is. I mean, yeah. I, I've, uh, you know, I'm just now coming up for my 63rd birthday and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm just hitting my stride now, you know, <laughs> getting good rhythm. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of years. And oh, that's awesome. That. Yeah. Well, it was good to meet you at the Mind Forum. Um, we were all there, how many weeks ago was it? Only two or three? Yeah, I think it was two or three weeks ago, yeah. but it is always such a fantastic uh, event, uh, the three-day Mind Forum. I think this was the 10th or, or maybe there was more. But Oh, wow. I I've just, only been to one other. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I just love the way that there's a public stream and a, yeah, a me practitioner too. stream running side by side. And, um, and it's just great to, to meet so many practitioners and to get to meet so many people in the public as well. Mm. So it's, always a, it's always a great event, always has been. Yeah, well, I think as a, as a person in the public section, I just love being able to meet the practitioners because, I mean, it's pretty rare to get to talk to so many um, people like you. Um, and we've just learned so much through listening to, you know, podcasts and going to the Mind Forum. And so we hope to share a bit of that on the podcast today. Um, we, we were trying to discuss what we'd talk about today and we have a couple of things that we'd really love to get into. So first of all, um, you're a holistic dentist, but you've also become an author and you've written a book called A Life Less Stressed. Um, do you want to explain how you got into what you do and sort of where it all began for you. Just give us a bit of your story. Yeah, well, look, uh, I've been in practice now for almost 40 years and uh, a very short time after I graduated, I I treated a patient uh, who had a... um, a high crown, a tooth that was too high and it was uncomfortable and I adjusted it and they came back a week later and they said, ever since then, the crown feels more comfortable but I haven't had any of the headaches that I've had for the last five years. I thought, gee, that's quite a coincidence. And then when I explored more, I realised that the way the teeth fit together has a dramatic impact on people's headaches, neck aches, jaw pain and all that. So that I embarked on on a learning experience of treating chronic pain. And chronic headaches and neck aches are pretty common. So that was the beginning very early on in my career of, of recognising that what I did had the potential to affect other things in the body besides just the teeth and the gums. And in about 1983, I, I mean, I was attending lots and lots of courses uh, over in America, in Europe and in, and in Australia. And in 1983, I'd attended a course which posed a model of stress that said our health is affected by stress and stress is a combination of emotional, environmental, postural, nutritional and dental stress. Hmm. And so this was a a really eye-opening, an aha moment for me um, because uh, it kind of made a more holistic context of where I fitted into where what I did and what I was seeing fitted into an overall health picture. And since then, it's been the model that I've used in my practice uh, as a safe since 1983. And that's when we started the Sydney Holistic Dental Centre, which I work, work with my brother. So my brother and I have been working together for 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, look, it, look, it still seems it's going, it's going well. I mean, it may be a bit <laughs> more, so far so good. Um, and so that's where the journey really started for us, re- realising that, well, I, I felt I needed to know a lot more about nutrition, a lot more about posture. Um, you know, at that point, at that stage in my life, I, I, 
I didn't feel very comfortable talking to people about emotional stress. And, mm. and uh, you know, uh, I was in my 20s at the time, so I, it wasn't didn't seem appropriate. But environmental stress was a whole new area. I mean, that was not big in 1983, mm. uh, but to have it out there as, a, as an issue to look at. So, so it just started a whole journey of, of learning for me. I got my fellowship in um, nutritional and environmental medicine from the Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. I got that in 1996, and it's been an interest ever since. Look, I still do uh, dentistry is what I do clinically, um, but I, I feel very comfortable talking about all, all, all those other areas. It's just that's not what I practice on a daily mm. basis. And that just led me eventually to writing a book because uh, through this journey of treating chronic pain, it also led me into exploring sleep. And as soon as, you know, about quality, getting a consistently good night's sleep, and as soon as you do that, you get involved in breathing. And as soon as that, you get involved in posture. <laughs> and so it leads on. So the book I wrote, um, which, as you say, is A Life Less Stress, The Five Pillars of Health and Wellness. And I have to tell people it's not autobiographical. Um, <laughs> I wish it was. It's aspirational. <laughs> so, um, uh, and and, the, and it, was, uh, it took me about two or three years to write that book, but it was a great way of, just collating everything that I'd been interested up to this point in my life mm. and just to kind of act as a springboard for the next phase of my life. It's, uh, it's a really good uh, book, um, great book actually for the public. Um, it's not a science-heavy book. It's uh, very conversational. Uh, the topics are easy to understand and you, you really like to draw a, a really wide picture so you talk about everything from big pharma to the food pyramid and how these things are actually affecting and have affected our health. Um, it's such a, such a uh, great thing to, to see that's all written in one book. And you mentioned earlier the, the pillars of stress, so the five pillars. Maybe you can walk us through them one by one, give us a high-level um, view of them, maybe starting with the emotional stress, which, you know, you weren't very comfortable talking about in your 20s, but hopefully at the age of 63. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's what people, whenever you say uh, you've, uh, you've written a book about stress or does stress affect our lives, emotional stress is the thing that immediately springs to everybody's yeah. mind. And Number one. Actually, everybody, almost everybody that I've said, oh, I've written a book about stress. It's called The Lifeless Stress. Oh, I must read that book. And mm. I actually hope they do because people can relate to it. I mean, the emotional stress, <coughs> excuse me, is a big one because, um, you know, thoughts are things. Thoughts are things. They are uh, neurotransmitters. They are little proteins that eventually attach themselves to our cell membranes and they cause our genes to express themselves in some way or another. And, um, and that's... Uh, that puts it into a sort of a biochemical uh, perspective. And when you think about stress, it's relative. You know, I mean, I think people that have gone through wars, people that have gone through the First World War, Second World War, any war for that matter, who've gone through famine, who have gone through depression, who have gone, you know, who, whatever, there have been some incredible stresses in our world in the last, well, thousands of years, but let's say the last hundred years. And... Um, and so when we look at our lives today, we kind of think they're so stressful. But, but when we relate it back to historical times, mm. it, may, it may surprise people to learn that we're actually living in one of the best times in human history. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that when you look at the news every night. 
<coughs> excuse me, I'm just recovering from a cold my darling little granddaughter gave me. <laughs> just, she's just gone back into childcare. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So, so you know, it's hard, it's hard for people to imagine that we're actually living in the, in the most, well, in the best time in human history. Mm. Because, um, you know, there was a study done in about 2012 which uh, said, you know, 56 million people died in 2012. And 130,000 of those died from violent crimes, wars or, or gunshots, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it turns out that 800,000 died of suicide and 1.5 million died of sugar, of, of diabetes. Uh, wow. So, you know, one could argue that rather than being concerned about terrorists and the, the awfully uh, violent world in which we supposedly live, you are actually a greater danger to yourself than a terrorist and sugar is the biggest danger of them all. Or an That's even a really good point. I'm going to tell my kids that one. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's very easy for us to feel emotionally stressed because of what we're bombarded with. And then what's yes. unique about our current world is we are bombarded by information constantly. And if you, if you follow your emails, if you follow Twitter, if you follow Facebook, if you follow Instagram, if you follow Snapchat, if you follow the news and you have your push notifications switched onto your phone, you could be excused for having your head down the whole day. And in fact, when you get onto a train uh, and you look down the carriage, up the carriage, you know, hundreds of people are all with their heads down. And so we are terrific at being connected with the rest of the world, but we're not fabulous about being connected with the person sitting next to us. Mm. And there was a Harvard study done um, recently. Well, actually, been going on for seventy-five years. But but um, they released what the greatest predictor of uh, of of longevity and wellness was. And it turns out that our relationships are the most important indicator of a person's well-being. Mm -hmm. So, and that's relationships of real people sitting right next to you. So. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a loved one, although if you're lucky enough to be in a lovely relationship, that's great, but it can be family, it can be friends, it can be a community, it can be whatever it is, but it's, it's relating to people. So, you know, it's really easy today to get lost in this emotional stress and because of what we're bombarded with on a social media level, um, it's very easy to get uh, stressed out. And, and we did an interview, re I did an interview recently on anxiety in youth and found that 25% of kids have been diagnosed, that's under the age of 18, have been diagnosed with anxiety. Mm. And, and this is a really disturbing. You know, the incidence of depression in childhood has gone up. It's doubled in the last 20 years. So, so mm. you know, when you look at what kids are exposed to today, particularly on social media and the expectations of them, of themselves and each other, it's really easy to see how these kind of emotionally stressed individuals, be they young and old, um, uh, emerge. So that's kind of emotional stress in, in, a, in a little bit of a taste of what, what I talk about in that, in that chapter. Mm. The, all these things do tie into each other because, as, as you said before, these thoughts are actually physiological as well. They have a physiological impact. And um, when we look at improving one thing, we also start seeing improvements in the other side as well. And like for me, for instance, I improved the way that I was eating and my emotional stress mm. as well at the same time. Um, 
maybe also we'll keep going with these. Uh, well, well, you know, yeah. that's a really good point, Fouad, because, you know, of course, this, although the chapters in a book are linear, you know, one follows, two and three, four, five, <laughs> six, they're, they're actually interconnected and, yeah. and they're inseparable. So, I've, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know that the gut is now referred to as the second brain. Mm-hmm. And the gut is where a lot of those neurotransmitters, particularly serotonin, are produced so you know what you eat and how you think is hugely impacted what you think and how you sleep is hugely impacted how you breathe while you asleep and the effect that has on your emotional resilience is also impacted so you know there's no inter they're all interconnected so mm-hmm. then the next chapter was is is really about um, well another one of the chapters on stress is environmental stress and that is a huge huge topic sadly and um you know the thing about environmental about uh, chemicals and we're exposed to tens of thousands of chemicals on a daily basis i mean when you look at what happens when you wake up in the morning now you wake up in the morning and you're lying in bed and there may be fire retardant on your pajamas or on your uh, bedding certainly within your bed so they're brominated products there then you walk into the bathroom and you might put on well if you're a man you might oh blow flat i notice you do have you do have a shave so you know we put on shaving cream we put on <laughs> shaving cream and and how many chemicals are in that mm. and then we get under the shower and then we have put on shampoo and there's another 20 chemicals there and condition the water itself in the shower water yeah. itself the chlorinated water um, opening up the pores, ensuring that any chemicals within the water are well absorbed into your body, and then you get out and you put underarm deodorant. You, you haven't even walked downstairs for breakfast yet, mm. and, and you've already been exposed to 50, 60, 100, 200, how many chemicals, we don't know. And you might be uh, excused for assuming that if it's on the shelf in the supermarket, it's been tested and it will be fine. It just wouldn't be there if it wasn't tested. Yeah. Well, sadly, that's not the case. Mm. Out of the 140,000 chemicals that are out there at the moment, um, probably about 10%, if we're lucky, have been tested in any meaningful way. And by meaningful, well, meaningful, they're tested singularly. So you might test a toxin and say, well, I've tested it over a six or eight week period and they're very, you know, it's okay. Um, But of course we don't use toxins over six or eight weeks. We use them over years. Number one, number two, we don't use one chemical in isolation for another. So how do you set up an experiment that takes into account all of those different chemicals? The synergistic effect of chemicals is significant. Mm -hmm. And the significance of that is if you give a chemical, a value, a toxic value of one and another chemical, a toxic value of one, when you add the two together, one plus one may not necessarily equal two. Mm. One plus one may equal five or ten. It could have a multiplied effect. So, mm. you know, this highlights the need. And, and, I, in the, and, and then we talk about soils and we talk about the way plant, you know, the pesticides, the herbicides, the fungicides, I mean, the effect that that has on not only the food but the soil microbiome um, is, is a huge thing. So, so we have to start thinking about how do we minimise our exposure and it, and it can be very depressing when you hear about this. But, but the good news is that if you are aware of it and you make good choices, 
you can reduce your own toxic load by 80 or 90 percent. Um, so that's quite empowering, I think. Yeah. So, but in order to solve a problem, you've got to know what the problem is. And I think that's the first step. And, um, and so outlining uh, how one could think about um, these environmental stresses is kind of important and empowering people to take control of it themselves is another one. And then, you know, there's the whole agitating for change and, and, and the ground force, which I think, you know, your podcast, my podcast, a lot of things that are happening on the ground, literally on the ground, yeah. is going to have an effect globally, we hope. Yeah. This is uh, this is why I really loved your book because you're not only making it um, you know centered around the human being who's reading the book, but you've got uh, for instance within the chapter for environmental stress, you have unhealthy soil equals unhealthy plants mm. equals unhealthy animals equals unhealthy humans equals unhealthy planet, and you really link it up to our place in the natural world. And if we're trying to be healthy, the other parts of the picture also need to be looked after as well. So then a human being who's looking after themselves, their actions need to start reflecting outwards into the world so that the world can uh, start changing as, as well, which is wonderful. And, you know, like I'm going on a bit of a rant here because what I really... Uh, <laughs> go, go, I, I, <laughs> um, You know, I've, I've had uh, some... I haven't read through the whole book, but from what I've read, I've seen that you talked about uh, Alan Savory's work, for instance, which yes. you talked about. He's a hero um, of mine. Yeah, and, and mine too. And um, the book Sapiens as well, which is a, a really great book. And all these things that uh, I've read about over the years and uh, you know i found them collated in this one book which is really really fantastic and um it's all sort of centered around this um this idea of creating a healthy human being but finding that the human being is also part of a larger picture and how they can relate to the larger picture and create health for themselves and, and the planet so what's what's been your experience over the years in terms of um seeing things change and uh, where, where do you feel we're at at the moment in in this uh, advocacy just from from my uh, for my selfish perspective to see what what you've seen <laughs> over the years yeah yeah well i i i feel that i'm optimistic about what's possible um, and I'm a little bit pessimistic about what's happening. And, uh, you know, so yeah. I'm having an each way bet there. I mean, um, <laughs> look, Alan Savory was somebody who now, you know, I've been very interested in holistic healthcare for all of this time. And what I found so enlightening about Alan Savory's work is that he's involved in holistic management. Mm. holistic land management but holistic management mm. and and so this opened up a whole new idea and he once said to me when I interviewed him or actually just recently he said um, look if you're expecting the change to come from above and and by that I'm not talking about God that's a whole other subject if you're expecting the change to come from above from governments from professional organizations you may be waiting a long time Mm. Because big organisations are very slow to take on new information. Mm. They lack common sense and mm. they lack humanity. Yes. And I, think, and I think that's true. You know, yes. the change in Alan, this is almost quoting verbatim, um, the change has to come from the ground up and mm. that's from you and me. Um, and, and so that's what I believe is happening. I believe, you know, on, I, it's an interesting thing, this influence of technology, because I mentioned it is an emotional stress, and it, and it is. I feel like we're new kids on the block. We're new kids playing with a toy that we haven't quite 
understood completely. We've, mm. we've understood we want to play with it all the time. We love it. And you look at people, they're obsessed with it. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself sometimes. But I think what we, I'm optimistic there because I think there is the democratisation of information, number one. A lot of people have got a lot of access to a lot of information and I think that is a good thing. And the second thing is we have this ability to communicate with each other and organise ourselves. Now, that, when you look at what's happened in politics in the last two years, has, has, has had, a, I think, a negative effect. In fact, you know, it's, it's if anything, polarised us more. But I think this is going to be a question of regulation and I think we're going to learn to, to come to terms with that. I think we've had a bit of a... We've overshot the mark a bit with technology, which has manifested itself in mental health problems, in political problems. But I believe that we are going to come back to a point where we we understand its limitations, we understand its potential, and we use it in a very constructive and powerful way. So I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Yeah. I think I don't think we've got a, a choice anymore. I read an article last year, I can't remember where, but they were saying that there's 100 harvests left in the UK before the unsustainable farming methods that they're having, they are going to ruin the topsoil and it can't be grown in anymore. So yeah. we're getting to that point with so many things like that we've reached beyond sustainability. Yes. Well, you, you know, there was a there was a very interesting. I uh, just did an interview recently with, I uh, get this, Professor Paul Ehrlich, <laughs> and he's a, he's a really very famous ecologist who wrote a book in the sixties, and then again a, another one in the eighties on population explosion and the effect that the increase in population would have on our environment. Catac- catastrophic, and 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 he said. Uh, you wouldn't be able to feed these number of people. But, of course, along came the Green Revolution. And the Green Revolution introduced pesticides, introduced fungicides, fertilisers, industrialised farming, industrialised animal production, factory farming of animals. And and the world has been fed. It is true. Mm. But at what cost? Yes, there is an increase in population. Yes, we have an increase in life expectancy. But how are we doing as individuals, and how are we doing as a planet? And when you reflect back on the last 30 or 40 years, which is the Green Revolution, and dovetail that in with the politics of, of, um, of economic rationalism and deregulating the market and consumerism is great and it's what drives economies, mm-hmm. the combination of those things hasn't really addressed the issues about population and feeding people and making the, the people and the planet healthy. Mm. Dental stress. Now, I want to sort of take it back, back to something <laughs> within our mouths. Yeah, what can we? Something that we can do. <laughs> well, I wrote that chapter. Funny, I wrote, I wrote that chapter on dental stress for anybody with a mouth <laughs> who is interested in their health but has never fully connected the two, mm. because most people think that if they're not in pain oral health is not an issue and, and um, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, in our practice, we, we sit around in our office, there are five of us dentists and we talk about this just recently because we just did a podcast on it recently and we said that 95% at least of oral health disease 
is has no pain associated with it. So, you know, people often ask, what is a... Yeah, I know it's pretty staggering, isn't it? But they're, they're, that is the fact. Um, but then people say, what's a holistic dentist? And a holistic dentist is somebody who recognises there's a whole person attached to the mouth they're always looking at. And that may sound obvious, but it has implications. The implication is that you recognise that the mouth is the gateway to the digestive tract. So, you know, the idea of what your teeth are there for is to chew, break down and start the process of digestion. And doing that effectively sets the digestive process up for success. Mm. So, so digestion's number one. So if teeth are crooked and crowded or missing or broken down, it's like taking a blunt knife to cut up a piece of meat. It's not so easy to do, so you end up swallowing it in its unbroken down form and that's not a very good thing. So it's the gateway to the digestive tract. It's the gateway to the respiratory tract. So the shape and size of your upper and lower jaws and your oral cavity determine the shape and size of the upper airway. And if you have crowded teeth, so we have evolved to have all 32 of our 32 teeth. That's what we as humans over millions of years have evolved to have. But if I ask um, 95%, if I look out there and I've asked this question of, a lot, of many, many people over the last few years, I would estimate that uh, uh, probably, again, about 95% of people have some form of crowding. That means that very few people have maybe 2 5% have enough room for all 32 of their teeth. The significance of that is that if you've got a narrow upper airway, it predisposes you to breathing issues, not the least of which is mouth breathing, which can affect your posture and your body chemistry. Mouths are for feeding, noses are for breathing. So you should be breathing through your nose. It's a very important part of keeping your body chemistry balanced. It's an important part of keeping your posture well. You know, if you're a mouth breather, your head will come forward. And if you think sleeping is important, which of course it is, sleeping is a function of quantity getting enough sleep and quality, breathing well while you're asleep. So if you have a narrow upper airway, you have the potential for breathing problems at night. And they are very common, not just in overweight, middle-aged men and beyond, but in young children and, and in people of all ages. So there is the digestive tract, there is the respiratory tract. It is also the site of the two most common infections known to man, woman or child, and that is tooth decay and gum disease. And 90% of the adult population, that is over 20, 90% have had some degree of decay in their permanent teeth. Um, you know, the incidence of gum disease is, is equally um, very high. Do, do your gums ever bleed when you brush or floss? Well, if they do, that's a sign of inflammation. So that's not a good thing either. Because of tooth decay, we also implant more materials, more foreign materials into people's bodies than all other health professionals put together. Yeah. We do fillings, we do crowns, we do implants, we do dentures, you know. So you'd want to hope that the filling materials are compatible with good health and are not toxic. It's an environmental issue, but it's a, it's a health issue as well. And then there's the whole thing that led me into this, which is because of the sensitivity of this area, the mouth, and because when you clench your jaw, 
muscles tighten up at the back of your neck and down your back and into your lower back and even down into your calf muscle when you clench your jaw, then the connection between jaw function, jaw balance, clenching and grinding and chronic pain is an interesting one as well. So that's kind of some of the things that I cover in the dental stress. Aren't you glad you asked? Wow. (laughs) I am. There's there's so many things there I'd like to ask questions about, but maybe um, going back to um, your influences in learning all this, can you tell us how the work of Western A. Price has influenced you? I think you were influenced by him. Oh, yes. Well, you know, now Western A. Price, I'm sure sure, um, many of your listeners will have heard of him, Mm -hmm. but for those that haven't, Western A. Price was a dentist in the early part of the 20th century in America. And when decay was rampant, um, he wanted to find out what caused decay. So what he did was he embarked on a a global uh, tour over many, many years where he visited various parts of the world. He visited the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. He visited uh, the Eskimos in um, in the Inuits in, in Alaska. He he visited uh, North American Native Americans, Native South Americans. He visited Polynesian. He visited New Zealand, Australia, um, Malaysia and Africa. And what he did was he went in and looked at people who were living in a traditional culture, in a traditional village and looked at traditional foods. And what he found was that these people had not only no tooth decay, but they also had enough room for all 32 of their teeth mm. with space behind their wisdom teeth. No so one had to get they, wisdom teeth pulled. They did not have to have wisdom teeth pulled. <laughs> and also they had enough, they didn't have any of the de- de- degenerative diseases that were being, that was happening in, in, modern, in the modern world, cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, arthritis. They didn't have any of that. But what made it even more interesting was that he could go down the road into more urbanised areas of villages and towns and cities where the same genetic group had moved into these urban environments and were starting to eat Western food. And what he found was that within a very short period of time, literally within a year, the evidence of decay would, would surface and that these degenerative diseases were becoming prevalent and were, were pronounced. And what he also found was that within one generation, the next generation had narrow jaws and crowded teeth. Mm. So, so this was a hugely important um, bit of research. And what was interesting was, you know, we hear about uh, vegetarianism, we hear about veganism, we hear about paleo, we hear about ketogenic... He, all of the people in all of the different parts of the world were eating a whole variety of foods, mm. a whole variety of foods. Some were eating grains, some were eating vegetables, some were eating dairy, some were eating meat, some were only eating meat and blubber, some were not eating any meat. You know, so there was, but what did they all have in common? So what he took back to America was food samples. And remember, this was now in the 1920s. And what he found was that they all had a few things in common. Firstly, they were all nutrient-dense foods. Mm. They all had um, at least 10 times the amount of, B, of vitamins, uh, water-soluble vitamins and minerals than the average American diet. 
in mm. the 1920s this was, don't forget. Wow, imagine now. <laughs> imagine now. And, and also, this was the really interesting part, that they had four times the number of the amount of fat-soluble vitamins. Wow. So that is A, D, E and K, although he didn't call it K at the time, he called it Activator X. He couldn't identify what K was, but he knew it was essential for bone and tooth development. And so you need fat-soluble vitamins in order to absorb minerals. And so, you know, this was, this was the critical time, uh, point. And when you look at sugar consumption and, white f- and flour consumption in the 1930s, and you look at sugar consumption and flour consumption in the 2018s, you know, I think mm. the price price will be turning over in his grave. Now, tooth decay has actually, it's still a major problem. It's still a major, major problem, but it has gone down. And the reason is I believe that it has gone down because it's gone down in fluoridated and non-fluoridated mm. countries is because people are more conscious of brushing their teeth. Right, yeah. Okay, so you get the problem out of your mouth but that still causes problems further down the body and that's why we have an epidemic in degenerative diseases. And how does it affect the jaw to make it narrow? Was that the food or is that more the breathing? Or Okay, well, the, that's a really good question because I think there are uh, three or four answers to that. One is the, 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 the health of the mother and father from even before conception, the diet, the nutrient-dense diet, ideally that they should be on, or throughout pregnancy or throughout infancy or childhood or adulthood. So nutrient-dense diet is number one. The chewability of foods is another one. You know, to be using your jaw functionally, to, to, to use the muscles of the jaw is important. The other thing is that if you have a narrow jaw and you don't have enough and you also then have allergies or have difficulty mm-hmm. breathing through your nose, then you're going to become a mouth breather. Now, the problem with that is the best orthodontic appliance ever is the human tongue. And the, yep. human, the human tongue should be resting on the palate. People should have their mouth closed when they're breathing. Their lips should be lightly touching. Their tongue should be on the roof of their mouth. Their teeth should either be slightly apart or lightly touching, but certainly not clenching. And they should be slowly breathing through their nose. We swallow 1,200 times a day. So every time we swallow, the tongue presses against the palate. And this broad, flat muscle, the tongue, develops a broad, flat upper jaw. And that's ideally gives us the shape. And, and then um, the, that creates room for your lower jaw to sit in underneath your upper jaw. And so it's this balance of tongue and lips and cheeks. Now, if you have a mouth breather, the tongue drops from the roof of the mouth. And so now you've got the force of the lips and the cheeks uh, acting on the jaws and that's bringing them in and making them narrow. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we have a combination of food quality uh, the, the type of food and also the balance of muscles in the mouth. It's called oral myology. It's, uh, and the way we breathe that impacts on, on, on how this uh, develops. It's interesting because I've always had trouble with a narrow jaw and crowded teeth. And when I was a, a small child, I always had trouble with um, food intolerances and I was always having a runny nose and stuffy nose. And I guess I was breathing through my mouth all the time. 
Um, and then that went back, like the, the food intolerances were all related to gut health. So there you go. There's that, you know, the gut. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, the, they're, they're the all balances and then the breathing and then the teeth. And, yep. you know, my mum, Floyd laughs at this, my mum always used to tell us, well, the reason why you've got really crowded teeth and, and a lot of us do in our family is because we've got the German family, so that's like yes. a bigger jaw, and then we've got, no, sorry, the um, we've got the German family, which is, uh, I can't remember what she said, but yeah, it was something to do with the American Indian and the German mixture. She said, that's why. <laughs> I'm like, no, well, mom, you know, that's not why. <laughs> that's not why. It's like uh, your mother had a, a green eyes and your father had brown eyes. Yeah. Do you have one brown eye and one green eye? You don't. I mean, David yeah. Bowie may have, but... Uh, well, my nephew actually does. But, oh, there you yeah. go. But it's unusual. It's unusual. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's an awful lot going on there in terms of dental stress and uh, it is definitely impacted on by nutritional things. Yeah. It's impacted by postural things. So, yeah, there's an awful lot going on there. I've got the postural too. I've got scoliosis. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you yep. go. Well, can you... We've ruined, Joe. Me? We've ruined. Oh, no, but you know what? <laughs> Actually, I've got to tell you this. You know how in um, Western A. Price's work he talks about how you can widen the jaw by changing your diet and, you know, also like you're saying, my son did um, a course at a holistic dentist with um, learning to position his tongue properly so that it would help his teeth. So there is things that you can work on and it's funny, we did the GAPS diet to work on our gut health and in a year the difference in the photographs of my face, uh, my face was, it looked longer and narrower, you know, a year before and I wonder if my jaw did widen Mm-hmm. Has seen it looks like it in the photos. It's Can it wrong? Would like an adult's face actually uh, rearrange itself if proper nutrition is given? And, well, I think and, that's that may be pushing it a little bit. Okay. Because okay. yeah. that's that's what I heard, and I was thinking, yeah. I wonder if it did. No, no, but 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 let me just say that um, my oldest patient doing orthodontics, where we are expanding jaws, um, and, and uh, is eighty-two years old. So, so, you know, it can definitely be done, whether it can just be done. I mean, I think it can be done, to be honest. I think it can be done with, our, with myofunctional exercises, mm-hmm. meaning proper exercises for your tongue and lips. And the benefit of that is it's often described as having a facelift because it yes, really... Yes, that's toned, what the dentist told me. Yeah, it really tones the muscles of your face up. But you need to be really motivated. And yeah, if you are, long. it can be done. You need to be doing those exercises six times a day, uh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, it, it's, it can be done, though. You should write down um, what that is in case anyone wants to know about it. What's that called again? It's called oral myology, and I can certainly give you... Myology, M-Y? M-Y-O-L-O-G-Y, oral myology. And that would be something that they would talk to their holistic dentist? Well, yes, holistic dentist. You see, when they did a study on all the different orthodontic techniques that were undertaken over a 40-year period, um, and that means, you know, teeth were extracted, teeth weren't extracted, jaws were expanded, jaws weren't expanded, da, da, da. Whichever technique you chose, what they found was that there was some, there was some relapse to some degree in almost 90% of cases. And the reason for that mm-hmm. is that oral myology, the actual cause of the problem, is never addressed or rarely addressed. It is okay. becoming so in a holistic dental practice and, and, you know, so that's an emerging science. Some orthodontists will just poo-poo the whole thing and say, ah, it's rubbish. Mm. But what they really mean is they don't know anything about it. Mm, yeah. 
uh, Ron, with uh, the term holistic dentist, I'm just wondering, is there like a particular training that a dentist will undergo to call themselves a holistic dentist? Or is it someone who's actually thrown themselves into a holistic um, approach to health and then have become aware of what they need to do? Like, is there a qualification or what do you look for when someone says they're holistic? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, <laughs> there is no accreditation. Let me just okay. say that. Um, but uh, obviously, it's a. It's. I, I think it's a dentist with an attitude, or a <laughs> practitioner yeah. with an attitude, and and you would hope that that attitude is more than just a marketing attitude. You yeah. see, it has become a little bit popularised. I mean, when we first changed the name of our practice in 1983 to the Sydney Holistic Dental Centre, um, you know, people thought what's holistic and people still ask that question now although the word holistic is becoming a lot more understood mm. i mean it's not some kind of new age philosophy it's just the mm. way the world works it's the way the human body works but but in terms of uh, accreditation sadly there's not i mean i think this is a case of you know you have to get a feel for what the people are about and i think that's true of any practitioner you go and mm. see whether they call themselves a holistic dentist or not i know a lot of practitioners my my colleagues who are very holistic in their approach to dental, dental treatment, but they don't call themselves mm. holistic. Yeah. You know, so, so it works both ways. Uh, you know, I think the profession is moving into a more holistic phase. They're recognising their role in sleep. They're mm. recognising the connection between gum disease and a lot of diseases. So they, they are really um, being more holistic. I think our profession is changing. Quite I'd like to understand that a little bit more. Like, what can be achieved with holistic dentistry as opposed to conventional dentistry? Yeah, okay. Well, look, you know, people come in to see us. We're in a really privileged position as dentists because if you're, dil if you're diligent, you'll be coming into the dentist every six to 12 months for a checkup. And remember, don't wait for pain because 95% of problems have no pain associated with them. So when people come into us, Yes, we're checking, of course, their gum health and tooth decay, but it's a great opportunity for us to check in with them about their sleep. And I asked them three very basic questions. This is routine, by the way, um, routine. I asked three questions, and I'd ask these of your listeners. Firstly, is it easy for you to go to sleep at night? And the answer, obviously, is either yes or no. The second question is, do you wake up through the night? And a lot of people wake up to go to the bathroom. A lot of people wake up and have trouble going back to sleep. This is a serious, This is a problem, and we can come back to the solutions to that in a moment. And the third question, which is probably the most important question, is: Do you wake up feeling refreshed? Because after all, what is? Why do we sleep? Mm -hmm. and, and and we sleep because. Um, this is our body's chance to regenerate, to reboot. I've had a neurologist explain it to me that it's a chance for the synapses in our nerves to regenerate and to freshen up, if you like, so that our nervous system is working better. It certainly affects our brain. It certainly affects our hormones. So, so you know, waking up feeling refreshed is really important. In fact, not waking up feeling refreshed over a long period of time can be life-threatening. So there is, there is an in initial point of, of where I think a holistic dental practice, it's obvious that you're in a holistic dental practice. Mm -hmm. So whether they call themselves that or not, 
you, there, there it is. The other thing that I should have mentioned straight away is that one of the very first things we do when we clinically examine a patient, and I'm sure every dentist does this, I'm sure your dentists, uh, Fuad and Joe, have done this as well, and that is we look at a patient's lips, their tongue, their cheeks, the palate, the floor of the mouth, the back of the throat, the glands under the jaw. Why? Mm -hmm because oral cancer is now the 10th most common cancer in Australia. Really? So, and it's an opportunity on a six or 12 monthly basis to do an oral cancer screening. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure every dentist does this. And we tell our patients that. We say, you know, when, when I do this for the first time on people, they're wondering, what the hell is he doing? He's pulling my lip out and he's looking at my cheek and my tongue and stick your tongue out and push your tongue to the left and the right and lift it up and say, ah, and look down the back of the throat. You know, oral cancer is a serious, serious problem. And in the last, say, 10 years of my clinical life, I've had only three, thankfully, only three patients who have had oral cancer, but it is the most horrendous, potentially horrendous thing. One was a 53-year-old woman who had a small ulcer on her tongue. She mm. ended up needing her tongue resected. Um, oh. Now, you know, you, you, if you've ever bitten your tongue or burnt your tongue and you think, oh, God, it's so uncomfortable, try losing your tongue. Yeah. Um, you know, and the same thing happened to a 23-year-old girl. Oh, dear. Woman. And, and another one was a 29-year-old guy who came in to me as a new patient because he had a loose tooth. He thought he had a loose tooth at the back of his mouth. And when I felt his teeth, all of his teeth on the upper right moved. And, um, and he had an advanced form of uh, bone cancer. So, so, you know, this, these are horrendous things. And so we make a point that oral cancer screening is a critical part of any dental practice, but certainly any holistic dental practice. So sleep is another one. Chronic pain. Do you wake up in the morning with a headache, neck or jaw pain? Do you suffer from reflux or indigestion, heartburn? Are you regular with your bowel movements? <laughs> All of these things are relevant uh, in, yeah. a dental, in a dental practice. Wow. Can you reverse cavities with holistic dentistry or is it still like drill and fill kind of thing? Yeah. Now, there's a very interesting book. I'm sure you're referring to the one about healed tooth decay and all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. And a lot of people come in and read it. What, what, what I will say is this. When you change your diet, you can arrest decay. You can stop the decay process. Right. And provided the tooth doesn't have a defect in it, meaning a hole, where food continually catches in, then that's okay. But when you've got decay within a tooth that has resulted in a hole, a defect, tooth will not grow back. Right. Tooth will not grow back. Now, I've had a patient come in to me and say they want the decay removed, um, but they don't want a filling. And I go, look, I've only been in practice for 40 years and I've, <laughs> and, I've, and I've certainly got an open mind and I've read all the books. I've read that book about heel tooth decay and, and all of that. And the thing that annoyed me about that book, and he, was he was referencing Western A. Price's yeah. work and Western A. Price's work on fat-soluble vitamins, which we've already talked about. The thing that bothered me about that book was that there were no before and after photos. Oh, really? Now, you see... I'm holding a pen in my hand and in my surgery, I have a camera that is no bigger than a pen mm -hmm. and it takes me literally two seconds, five, maybe 10 seconds to take a photo yeah. of a patient's mouth. It's so easy. 
It's so easy. So can you imagine how long it would have taken me with all that I've been trying to instill in my patients if we had regrown a tooth and or regrown tooth structure, how easy it would have been for me to take a photo of it and put it on the internet and, mm. and, and show the before and after because we always take before photos. We always take during and after photos as well. So in answer to your question, Fawad, yes, you can arrest decay by changing your diet for sure. I believe you can. And you can, but, but uh, if the, there is a defect within the tooth hole, a cavity, then it needs to be restored. Otherwise, A, it's, it's going to continue to catch food in it. And, uh, you know, you, th then even nutritious food can ferment, and that's not such a good thing. Uh, and B, it's not functional working as a chewing device that it's meant to be. Yeah. Mm. And what do you generally fill with so that it's not toxic? Yes. Well, the last time I used mercury amalgam in my practice was 1985. <laughs> um, so we haven't used that and we're extremely careful how we re remove it. But in, to replace it, I use, if the filling isn't very big or it's generally a composite resin, mm -hmm. if the filling is larger, um, then I would use a ceramic or zirconium. And uh, we've tried over the last 10 or 15 years to stay away as much as we can for metals. Mm -hmm. There is a thing called metal-induced uh, chronic inflammation, which I think people will read more and more about. Mm -hmm. I reference it in my book. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, we try to stay away from metals and yeah. because, because for a whole range of reasons, not just the cell-mediated immune response, the type 4, allergic response. People think allergies are just about you eat something and suddenly you start sneezing or you break out in hives. That's a type 1 reaction called an IgE reaction. Uh, a type 4 reaction is a cell-mediated reaction of which, um, you know, metals can be part of that. So we try to stay away from metals as much as we can and we use basically resins and we use uh, uh, ceramics. Okay. How would you go about getting rid of the amalgam fillings? Look, you, you need to approach that very cautiously, I believe. Look, the average life of a filling, according to the literature, amalgam filling, and composite for that matter, is between 10 and 12 years. Now, oh, is that lot, all? Yes, that's all. Mm. A lot of other, a lot, because you get what's called micro leakage, which means the, the join between the filling and the tooth starts mm. to break down a little bit okay, yeah. and, and bacteria can see that break down a hell of a lot earlier than we can <laughs> and so they leak down into that and they start to cause decay in that part of the tooth. So you get micro leakage and decay. So you need to do a very careful assessment of the depth of the filling, of the degree of micro leakage, are there cracks within a filling. So you've got to do a very careful assessment. Now, if you then determine that the fillings, mercury filling should come out, whether it's one or many, it should always be done with a rubber dam. That's a sheet of rubber where a hole is punched through so the teeth can protrude through, but it protects the lips and the tongue and the cheeks and it, and it protects the airway so that when you drill out a filling, you do it very carefully that you try and take it out in, in lumps, not grind it out because then you create more mercury vapour. And mercury vapour goes up your nose and it's a shortcut to your brain. So wow. 
you want to have a separate nose piece that has oxygen on it. So that's another feature. You also need to use lots and lots of water and high-speed suction. And in our practice, we also we do all of that, of course. And in our speed, in our practice, we also have um, air purifiers and negative ion generators because we're worried about our cells as well. And mm. we've tested ourselves regularly to see whether the precautions we take for ourselves and our staff are okay, and our mercury levels are, are low. So that's that's really reassuring. Oh, fantastic! Mm, that's good. Well, we didn't really get into nutrition completely. Do we have time to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Look, I mean, I, in my book, I outline. Uh, I think there are eight problems. That. Eight problems with uh, with our di- uh, our um, nutrition in our society, and and uh, you know, I think uh, I'll just focus on on the uh, principles of. Um, of a nourishment, of being nutritious, and that they are really quite simple. I mean, I think as a general rule uh, in the book, as the problems I identify become more complex, I believe the solutions are actually remarkably simple. Yeah. And, and so, you know, from a nutritional perspective, I think vegetables should be the cornerstone of mm. everybody's diet, and, and, and we need lots of colours. We need to eat the rainbow because they have phytonutrients that help us detoxify and, and deal with the chemical loads that we're exposed to today. We don't have enough fibre. We need to be asking ourselves, we haven't talked about the microbiome, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're more bacteria than we are human cells. So every time you put something in your mouth, you need to ask, are you feeding your friends or your foes? And, um, and, and we need to have a very friendly relationship with our microbiome. I think a moderate amount of ethically grown and sustainably grown protein, and by that I don't mean factory farmed uh, mm-hmm. meats. I believe, uh, well, free range is a must. Biodynamic is fabulous. Organic is also great. If you can combine all of those and you think they're too expensive, well, just buy less. It's probably better for you anyway. So, you know, health the fats, the fat off those animals, butter from those animals, um, coconut oil, olive oil, macadamia nut oil. You know, I stay right away from seed oils. Seed oils are a no-no. Um, you know, I think grains, uh, the modern, the green revolution that produced enough food for us has introduced varieties of grains that I don't believe are very good for the planet and they're not very good for people. So I would limit that or, or eliminate that. Um, and I think uh, water is <laughs> yeah. a whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, in my own home, I use a reverse osmosis filter that takes everything out, and then I add a few grains of Himalayan rock salt or Celtic sea salt, and hey, presto, I've got really clean homemade mineral water. Um, so water is still by far the best. Uh, what else have we got? Seafood. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, I stay right away from seafood. I think okay. There are two issues there. One of sustainability. Uh, we have raped and pillaged 90% of the world's seafood stocks. I don't think factory farming is a good solution because what we end up feeding the, the, uh, the fish, that's a whole other story I cover in the book. I don't like it. If I was going to have any, and then there's the whole toxicity issue. Um, not just mercury, but plastics are ubiquitous. So we used to be able to say, well, if you eat smaller fish, then the mercury content is is not such a problem, but plastics find their way into the smallest of fish, and mm. that's a problem. That's a real problem. I used to say sardines were a really good alternative, and I still think they probably are, and, and anchovies and calamari. You know, so, so these smaller fish, if I had to eat one wild caught, would be it. 
what else have we got? Um, yeah, salt. Salt's another one. Much maligned. Um, I would stay away from table salt. I think we don't just need sodium and chloride. We actually need the 60 or 70 trace elements that find their way into some of the more complex salts like Himalayan rock salt, Himalayan, yeah, rock salt and Celtic sea salt, although Celtic sea salt may have plastics in them, you know. Mm. So, and I think that's why I prefer Himalayan rock salt uh, because... It's such a great area because for me, like Himalayan is also like, we're mining the Himalayas for rock salt. And I know, I know. And so, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> What about the Australian lake salt? Yeah, I think that's probably okay. I think that's probably okay. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah. So, so, you know, I think those kind of more complex salts, we need salt. Mm. Yeah, much maligned. So that gives you kind of a nutritional, you know, and, and definitely do not get preoccupied by low fat. Yeah. <laughs> low fat. I have some people who they hear low carb is really good and they hear low fat is really good and so they have an each way bet and they have low carb and low fat and that's oh, a terrible I... combination. Yeah. I do believe low carb. I think low carb is important. I think 70 grams of carbohydrates a day is mm -hmm. manageable. It's, it's, a, it's a doable thing. Um, I mean, if you're an athlete, maybe 120 or more, I don't know. But, but I think for an everyday person, keeping the carbs low, everybody that I've spoken to about um, cancer, heart disease, autoimmune, you name it, lower the insulin level, the better you are. Yeah. Yeah, and I see in your book you also talk about um, not restricting your above-ground vegetables, but your root vegetables. Like that's a good way to put it for people. Yes. So yeah. things yeah. that grow underground are going to be the starchy tubers of the plants where they store their energies and they have more carbohydrates in them. So the potatoes, for instance, or the sweet potatoes, you limit those, whereas the broccoli and the spinach and all that kind of stuff, zucchinis, you'll eat them and you won't even count calories or anything like that. You'll just eat mm. them too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and yeah. you get the phytonutrients. That's right. Mm -hmm. and, and these are very important for us. There's going to be a podcast with Dr. Jason Horlack, who's going to talk for like an hour and 20 minutes on the phytonutrients of plants and how they affect the microbiome. So it's really, really a great topic to get into. And um, I want to talk a little bit about um, movement and posture to round up the interview because we've pretty much addressed most of the topics of the book and I want to uh, end on that. Yes, well, you know, there again, um, you look on the train and, well, no, let's back up a little bit. We, we got up on our two legs uh, as, as humans. This was <laughs> millions of years ago and, uh, and we uh, balanced this uh, four to five kilo thing on our head, uh, on our spine called our head, and it was quite a challenge. You know, it poses some postural challenges for us. Now, when you then look down at your phone, say 15 degrees, 20 degrees, 25 degrees, you change that four to five kilo load to 10 kilos and then a little bit further down into your lap and you change it to 27 kilos. And then, so now you've created some real postural problems or sit in front of your computer and push your head forward off your spine. So posturally, we have all sorts of things that have challenged us, particularly in recent times. Again, look on the train and look at everybody's four to five kilo head translated into a 10 to 27 kilo head <laughs> because of their posture. So there's that. Uh, sleeping posture, also very important. The best position to sleep in is on your side. Stomach sleeping is by far the worst for your head, neck, jaw muscles, lower back, airway, you name it. Um, so side sleeping is best 
for airway and digestion. And, uh, and then toilets. I even include toilet because <laughs> for millions of years we squatted and our anatomy within our colon and rectum it lends itself very well to the squatting position of the toilet and sitting on the toilet. And look, sanitation is a fabulous thing, but sitting on the toilet creates some issues. Um, another thing I deal with, I did a lot of research. I with should it. mention here that we have poop stoops. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's the stoop. It's really good. Stoop. Yeah. Um, but, but that's yeah. basically, you know, then we look yeah. at uh, foot structure and it surprises me how often people, who have suffered for years for lower back pain mm. or years for hip or knee problems have never had a proper podiatric assessment. That's an assessment by a podiatrist mm -hmm. who understands the biomechanics of feet, who's not just interested in corns and bunions. So, you know, that's kind of some of the stuff I, I talk about in posture. And in terms of movement, you don't have to move. I didn't call the chapter exercise i called it movement we I have like that get, we have to get up and move yeah. and build that into our day so that's really important mm, it's good well the there's book, a lot more yeah. sorry yeah you go um, ahead the the thing about the book is it's like a, such a, a really good book to introduce you to all these this information and some of it like breathing for instance i would really love to know how people can find out more is there uh, references in the book on how people can uh, advance their journey to say breathe better or um what kind of steps they can take does that yeah. get included in the book as look, well? look you know for the, the one of the reasons i wrote this book uh, was because it was a conversation i wish i could have had with every single patient i've ever seen yeah um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of it because it takes people on this journey. The first part is kind of about where we're at in the world health-wise, the different views and why health messages are so confusing. The second part is about the stresses that affect us. And the third part is what you can do about it, and that's the five pillars. So, you know, yes, there are lots of things within the book about breathing, um, and, and, and it's just a, it's very conversational. So... Um, I think the main message I'd want to leave people with is, are they a mouth breather or a nasal breather? Because we could do a whole program on that alone. Uh, it's really significant. Maybe we should do a, a program on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it is definitely a big problem. Like As we're talking about people who are now um, being born, uh, with the mom has, is eating a nutritionally deficient diet, then um, the child will have less of a chance for proper jaw development, and that's going to affect their breathing, and they're going to be breathing through their mouth. And we're going to see more and more mouth breathers, really. And so, we, in essence, we should be talking about this quite a lot and to help teach people about it. So maybe uh, Dr. Ulrich will have you come back and give us some practical tips on this one. But uh, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. I know you have to run off and uh, get your appointments, but thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, we hope to have you again soon and uh, delve more and more deeply into these topics with you. Where thank can you we so tell much. people to find you? Oh, well, you can go on to the drronerlich.com. Uh, uh, that's E-H-R-L-I-C-H. We'll put the links in the show notes we'll put the links as well, in yeah. there, and, and mm -hmm. there, that's where they can find out more information. Or my practice, the Sydney Holistic Dental Centre. Where can they find the book? The book, well, the book they can find hopefully at any good bookstore or Amazon or, or uh, Booktopia. There's mm -hmm. actually an audible version of the book, which oh, I, I, I... Yes, I, I, uh, I did the... Uh, 
the Audible version a few months ago and it just came out about three or four oh, weeks fantastic. Ago. Yes, that's, that's, that's good. You can hear me for 12 and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> a life less stress, the five pillars of health and wellness. Dr. Ron Ulrich, thank you so much for being with us on the show. Thanks so much. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. For those of you on your own health journey, you know that a lot of times it's two steps forward, one step back, and you think you're doing well, and then something else pops up. It's like um, always, you're always learning. It's just a, it's not something that just happens overnight and suddenly you're well. If I actually had been so wrong about this really important thing in my life, what else was I wrong about? And it got me down this, uh, this place of questioning all the concepts that I had. And then I came to one question, which was, who am I beyond concept? When I was a little kid, I really always had trouble with food intolerances. I realized that there was a lot to be said for the way you eat. You come to the same place that I came to, and it's a place of complete freedom. Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.